morning. Uh, we had a great time at the West Coast Showcase last night. Uh, I have heard so many uh, positive comments and just all the fun that we had. And there was a lot of uh, wonderful people that did a diversity of acts, a lot of good singers. Brianna sang, Anne sang, Allison sang, Romwell, Colson. But I think uh, Kinsey seems to uh, really have been the star of the show. I mean, uh, a song that cut right to the heart, Slippery Fish. And uh, so uh, it was a lot of fun, but uh, thank you for all that participated, and it was, a, it, was a, it was a great time together. We are going to take a break from our sermon series this morning on Acts. Every once in a while in the life of the church, just a subject comes up, or, you just, or even you just sense the Lord's leading to move in a different direction than, what, than the direction that we have been going. And so this morning I, have, uh, I would like to talk to us about the idea of loss and disappointment and oftentimes what comes with that, the resulting emotion of grief. And I've entitled today's message, A Space to Grieve. In our culture today, uh, a space to grieve is oftentimes not very encouraged. It is with the idea something bad happens, you experience something disappointing, move on, get over it. Get over it as fast as you can. But really, that is not a very good way to approach, that, to approach loss and disappointment. And loss and disappointment can come in all sorts of forms. Sometimes somewhat expectedly, we kind of see it happening, and then oftentimes it happens and there was no signs of it coming. Chelsea and I, I remember we, just a few years ago, we experienced the loss of a miscarriage and experienced the loss of a child whom we have never even met. And, I have, and we have all been with those that have, and some of, many of us have done this our, ourselves, but buried, our, buried children, buried our parents, Buried one's spouse. And beyond death, there are other things that can cause deep feelings of loss, disappointment, and grief. We think of someone who is mistreated or abused or taken advantage of. Someone who has had a lifelong dream shattered. Someone who goes through a divorce. Someone who we love betrays us. Or when we discover that one of our role models has messed up in one way or another. And so it is easily recognized that loss and disappointment are universal. But the natural feeling of grief is not always encouraged to be universal. And though, uh, it, But we understand that grief is good. And not only is grief good, but it should be embraced and encouraged. The seasons of mourning are good for the heart, and God ultimately uses them for His glory. The Bible promotes what I am calling this morning, the title of this message is, A Space to Grieve. The Bible promotes a space to grieve, especially in the Psalms. And there are all kinds of Psalms. The Psalms are probably the most popular book in the Bible. And that's because we find words to our emotions. And there are psalms of praise and thanksgiving, of celebration, wisdom, even songs expressing doubt. But did you know that over half of the 150 psalms are really uh, classified as laments? Laments are the most common 
of all the psalms. A psalm of lament is a song that expresses one's loss, disappointment, and grief. And so this morning I want to look at one of these psalms of lament, and that is Psalm chapter 13. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open up to Psalm chapter 13. If not, uh, the words will be on the screen behind me. Psalm chapter 13 reads this way. This is a psalm of David. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer me, O Lord my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. Let's, let's, uh, commit, our service, let's commit our sermon to the Lord in prayer. Father God, now as we look at your word together, we pray that you would speak to us. And I pray for all those who are hurting and grieving and, in, uh, and, and having feelings of sorrow this morning. And God, if that is something we experience as a church as well, we pray that you would provide for us. God, may your spirit come and minister to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes we feel like crying out as the psalmist does here, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And sometimes we feel those exact feelings that God has forgotten forgotten us. And when the feelings of loss and disappointment are so great, we feel that God has, in the words of the psalmist, turned his face from us. I remember Jesus on the cross, even he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And surely if Jesus had felt that he had been abandoned on the cross, we we would surely feel those feelings as well. But we know that God the Father did not abandon his son Jesus on the cross. And we know intellectually that God would never leave us nor forsake us, but these are real feelings that can take up residence in our hearts at times. This was not planned, but it was interesting to me that Tina read uh, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 as our call to worship this morning. These have been verses that have ministered to me even this week. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, Present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. But there's a little tiny sentence that comes right before the the very words before the words that we just read. In verse 5, it says, For God is near. For God is near. And that is important for us to remember. Even when the feelings aren't there, to remember that God is near, 
That is the ground in which, uh, that, is the, that gives ground to being able to not be anxious about anything, to buy everything by prayer and petition to present our requests to God. And so David asked, how long? There is oftentimes no timetable for grief. There is never a timetable for grief. Sometimes it is relatively short. Sometimes that grief can last for years and decades and maybe never go away. Jerry's sister uh, shares the sad story of how he lost several members of his family in one night in one car accident. A drunk driver hit uh, the car that he was driving from the opposite side of, that he was on, and he lost his mother, his wife, and his four-year-old daughter in that accident. He writes about that story in a grace disguised, and he says... I did not get over my loved ones. Rather, I absorbed the loss into my life until it became a part of who I am. Sorrow took up permanent residence in my soul and enlarged it. You see, there are some griefs and some sorrows that we will never get over. They, kind of, they take up permanent residence. But the encouraging things that, that the author here uh, says is that he said over time it enlarged his soul. And I think that is a spiritual principle that we sh- need to grasp. That grief is not to be resisted, but it is actually good for us because it causes us to grow. It enlarges our souls. It gives us the ability to, to become people of compassion and love, and mercy in ways that we would not experience if it wasn't for grief taking up residence in our souls. Damaged souls who do not uh, receive grief with, with, as a grace disguise, to use the title of the book, damaged souls seek to find an outlet somewhere because the soul is crying out. And there is hurt that comes along the way all over the place. There is a trail of hurt. Sometimes that grief seeks to find its way out through someone turning to alcohol or throwing themselves into their work or into sexual escapades or taking uh, down others with abusive words or actions or just turning to the mind-numbing hours of watching TV or shopping or food binges. And all of these are obviously coping mechanisms that don't really help uh, in the long run. But these things point to the idea that there is hurt within. A soul crying out for a space to grieve that has not been given the opportunity to express itself. In this passage, Psalm 30, we, 13, we see David, we see his heart crying out. There is hurt, there is grief He says, how long? And he says, how long must I wrestle with these things? In other words, David, in wrestling with it, is not wrestling to get rid of it, but wrestling with it to embrace it, to to bring it into his mind. May I wrestle with it in my thoughts. May I embrace the painful emotions. David is described as a man after God's own heart in the Bible, in part because he allowed himself to feel in part because he allowed himself just to be. 
to be fully present and fully alive with all the emotions that were within him. If anyone we read in the Bible outside of the person of Jesus who is fully human, so to speak, it was surely David experienced all kinds of emotions. And he was one that was ready to embrace grief. A lot of people want to be described as like David was, a man or a woman after God's own heart. But few realize how closely this characteristic is tied to the way David repeatedly paid attention to loss and disappointment and grief in his life. You see, God is a God of grief who grieves alongside of us when we grieve, who who himself experiences hurt, loss, and disappointment. He grieves when people sin and he grieves when his children are hurt when bad things are done to them. Nicholas Walterstorff is a Yale professor and theologian who lost his son at the age of when his son was 25 years old. And he talks about how he began to come to know God as a God of suffering. He says, Through the prism of tears, I have seen a suffering God. It is said of God that no one can behold his face and live. I always thought this meant that no one could see his splendor and live. And a friend said that perhaps it meant that no one could see his sorrow and love. And then he uh, ends the quote by saying, or perhaps his sorrow is splendor. Perhaps God's sorrow is his splendor. In light of that, we should not be embarrassed to grieve. We should not be embarrassed to give ourselves a space to grieve. Jesus himself was described as a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. And if Jesus is described this way, then surely we ought to be willing to be described that way as well. In fact, it might not be a a bad thing for us as a church to be described as a people of sorrows and a people familiar with suffering. David goes on in the psalm to say, say, verse 3, give light to my eyes. And that's an understandable request. Grief can seem like darkness. And we long for God's light to not only give us understanding in the situation, but also to lift us up and to bring us out of the darkness. See, understanding in the space of grief can still be elusive, and we cry out to God for understanding. But it ought to be recognized that sometimes we don't get understanding, at least in the moment. It is only in hindsight that we get understanding. And maybe not even then. Maybe it will only be when we get to heaven that God gives us understanding. But we still pray for, as David did, give light to our eyes. He goes on in the psalm, after he says that, to then say, My enemy will say, I have overcome him. You see, in the midst of the grief and the loss and the hurts and sorrow, it sometimes appears that the enemy is on the attack and he is winning. David probably wrote this because he was on the run from one of his enemies. That seems to be a common theme throughout his life. He is fleeing for his life. 
But sometimes our enemies are not physical, but spiritual. Our greatest enemy is really the devil. And he is constantly on the attack. And sometimes it appears that he is winning. But to those who are faithful to God, Satan will never get the final victory. I am sure that on Good Friday, Satan felt like he had the victory. And I am sure the apostles did as well as they looked at Jesus upon the cross. But for every Good Friday, there is an Easter morning. And for every difficult time we experience in our lives, we can know that God's victory is coming. A space to grieve is painful, and it can be a long process, but we can grieve and grieve with hope. Hope that God is with us and that He loves us. David uh, closes the psalm with a note of hope. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for He has been good to me. Even though it is easier said than done, this is the ground of our faith. That we go back and we trust in the unfailing love of God. That we go back to the promise that He has been and always will, will be good to us. Paul said when talking about death, we do not grieve like the rest of humankind who do not have hope. We, we grieve... But we do not grieve as the world grieves because we have our hope in God. Our confidence is in the unfailing love of God and His plans for us, which are always good. As I've indicated, this has been a very difficult week for me and for Pastor Steve and for us as a church family. And unfortunately, I have some very difficult news to share with us today that I am sure will be shocking and disappointing. And I am sure that it it will cause a lot of grief. But may we not lose hope in the unfailing love of God. On Monday morning, Pastor Steve called me to let uh, me know that he and Esther were having some uh, serious marital issues. And that he would be stepping down from ministry. And Steve and I were able to talk for a while and to pray. And I encouraged him to take time and to not act impulsively, but to continue to pray and to seek wise counsel. And he did. But his final decision is that he will be stepping down permanently from, uh, from serving at West Covina Christian Church. Pastor Steve and, I, and Esther will be working towards reconciliation in their ministry. And for that reason... 
he feels that he needs to give his full time attention and devotion to his marriage. He's written a letter to us as a church, and I will and I'll simply read this. To the beloved family of West Covina Christian Church, some time ago a pastor told me, a church is a hospital. In it you'll find the sickest of people, even more so than the world out there. People come to the church because they realize a brokenness within them only God can heal. That statement is what prompted me into pastoral ministry. The healing I experienced in the church I wanted to extend to others. The mending of relationships I experienced by God's hand I wanted to facilitate for others. The wholeness I began feeling in my soul by the help of the Holy Spirit I wanted to share with others. Today I am faced with the the harsh reality that I myself am in desperate need of healing, particularly in my marriage. As the inner turmoil within me has increasingly given rise, I sought to calm the storm by attempting to increase my ministry success. I thought that if I could preach better, that would somehow translate into my home life. I believed that if I counseled more people, that would somehow positively affect, er, positively impact my marriage. However, giftedness shows my ministry while fruit shows my maturity. There is no amount of ministry that will breed fruit and maturity. Today I am confronted with the fact that I have been lacking fruit in my life for far too long, as displayed in my marriage, and I am am in no longer a place to serve as pastor. I cannot do it with integrity. I must attend to the matters of the heart in my family, and for that reason I must step down. I love being a pastor. I love teaching God's Word. I love ministry, and I truly love you. You have showered my family with love. You have overwhelmed us with your generosity. You have consistently demonstrated grace upon grace. And so, and so to have to leave you on these terms breaks my heart. To have to let go of something I love doing saddens me more than words can express. To have to let go of the church family I have grown to love grieves my heart. To have to let go of the ministry partnership with Pastor Corey, which showed so much promise, deeply saddens me. So it is with difficulty that I leave you. I hope you can pray for me. My family needs it. I will be praying for you and the church as the Lord leads you. I wish all of you grace and love in His grace. Stephen Yu. These are obviously not easy words to read or to accept. 
And even though Steve was with us a relatively short amount of time, there was a bond that was formed. And I think we all quickly recognized his passion for the Lord and his love love for Jesus. We recognize his giftedness in ministry. And there is a sadness uh, that we feel for Pastor Steve and Esther. There is a sense of loss that we feel for the ministry of the church. But But in all of these things, we trust in the unfailing love of God and his plan for us. I think it is very important for us as a church at this time to come together, to guard against the attack of the enemy. And it does seem like the enemy has already attacked, and it seems that he has landed a vicious blow. But we will love one another. And we will pray for Pastor Steve and Esther. We will pray for our church. And in the long run, we understand that this is God's will. In one way or another, this is His plan for us and it will be good for us. I think it is appropriate to recognize, first of all, that we need to make sure that uh, we we need to make sure we understand a couple things because I've I know that in times like this assumptions can be made. I do want to make I do want to make it clear that there has been no marital infidelity. That uh, Pastor Steve and Esther are having significant issues, but there has been no affair. And I also do want to make it clear that uh, West Covina Christian Church has put no pressure on Steve to leave. This was his decision alone. In fact, if he would have felt it appropriate, we would have potentially at least considered a uh, leave of absence. I don't know. Those discussions were never had because that was not his desire. But he does leave on good terms. And in fact, I would invite any of you who would like to reach out to him and extend your blessing and your prayer and your, your thoughts to him, that is encouraged. One more thing just in terms of details, and then I want to close with a couple devotional type thoughts. But we will be uh, hiring an interim minister as soon as uh, we can, which will be within the week, who will help out with uh, some of the ministries that Steve was leading. And when the time is appropriate, uh, we will begin to process what the next steps are as a church in terms of writing a job description and beginning a search to, f- to hire the next pastor. But someone on the search committee that uh, was involved in us hiring Pastor Steve asks me, did we get it wrong? There's no way we got it wrong. Like Steve is a godly man and we went and we were thorough in the vetting process and we prayed diligently about it. This was God's will. 
And it is also God's will for him and Esther to step away and to focus on their marriage. We have not failed God, and surely God has not failed us. And God will continue to watch over us. Remember the verse that I read in the sermon last week, Romans 9.21, does the potter have any right to... Does, the, does, the, does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for noble purposes and some for common use? We do not shake our fists at God and say, God, why have you made us like this? God is forming us and God is shaping us. And this is for our good. He is the potter that loves us so, so much. And he grieves alongside of us this morning as we grieve as well. I've entitled this message A Space to Grieve because I think that's probably what we need as a church more than anything. A space to grieve. And I want to encourage us to be willing to share our feelings and our hurts with one another and pray for one another. Not to talk bad of anyone. May we plant generosity within our hearts. But to be able to share our disappointments and and to be able to love one another in that. It has been suggested that we would, that if there are those that would like to pray even today, that we would just meet here in the front of the sanctuary in a little while at, we'll, we'll say at noon. And I know that some families are going to the beach this afternoon, and, uh, and I know that the widows are going out but, uh, for lunch. There will be times to pray if you would like to pray today. Uh, We'll have a generous time of just praying how the Lord leads us from 12 to 12.30 in, in the sanctuary. And then our next concert of prayer, July 11th, will be devoted to praying for Pastor Steve and Esther and for God's wisdom and guidance as a church. It is, impor- it is interesting that for the last six months, More than anything, we have talked about being a church of fervent prayer. And God is calling us now to be a church of fervent prayer. God is calling us to devote ourselves to pray. There are stresses in pastoral ministry that many people do not know. I just talked to Pastor Yasu about this. And, we, and pastors and their wives need your prayers. We need to pray for our church. And we need to devote ourselves to, to prayer. And we need to come together to pray for one another and with one another that God can heal our hearts. As David said, O oh Lord my God, give light to our eyes. Let's pause now and pray. God, today we come together as the body of Christ, brothers and sisters together as the family of God. We come before you as your children. And we are grieving. And we know that you grieve right along with us. 
God, we pray that you would meet us in our grief. That we would not grieve as the world grieves, but that you would fill our hearts with hope in the midst of our grief. Because we know that you are a God of unfailing love. God, give light to our eyes. Lift us up. God, help us not to be afraid to sit in our grief for for a long time, as long as it's needed. But God, as you do provide your healing, we look forward to what you will bring about in us and through us because of this. And so, God, we just commit ourselves to you and pray that you would bless us and lead us and guide us as a church. God, we pray for Stephen Esther. Help them to know, even this morning, how loved they are by by this church. That we truly care about them and we love them. That even if they are not with us physically, they are a part of our family. And God, we pray that you would heal their marriage. That you would give them grace and help them to be able to be filled with forgiveness and generosity to one another. God, the deep hurts that may be in their hearts, we pray that you would touch those hurts and provide healing. God, it's very appropriate that we have communion today because we just come before the foot of the cross and we are reminded that Jesus himself was a man of sorrow and familiar with suffering. That what we remember by taking the bread and the juice is that he suffered and died because he loves us so much. And so, God, we trust in your unfailing love. And we trust that you are a God who is gracious and loving, which is so powerfully demonstrated by Jesus' death on the cross. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to invite the ushers to come forward as we prepare for the Lord's Supper. As we have the...